Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Back on Carolina Newsmakers with Patrick Woody, president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center. Patrick, uh, before we start talking about uh, uh, the Small Business Policy Task Force and the Small Business Coalition and the Corner Square Community Capital, which I wanted to talk about in this segment, let's talk a little bit about you and, and your family. How did you get interested in this type of work? What what uh, led you to believe that this is something that you wanted to spend the rest of your life doing? Well, I, I guess you're going to spend the rest of your life doing it. I do. I, I love what I do. Uh, it certainly has its challenges, uh, as every as every career does. But you know, my interest really comes from um, I, I grew up in a place that that I loved. As, as I mentioned, most people I think love their place, and and that place was Piney Creek in Allegheny County in the northwestern mountains of, of the county, about uh, two miles from the New River and the Virginia state line near the midpoint of the Blue Ridge Parkway. And I grew up with extraordinary parents, a dad who was a school teacher for 35 years um, and taught business development courses and a mom and a mom who worked for 42 years uh, in a, a textile plant uh, and, and was the HR director in, in a textile plant in Sparta. And I just grew up around that. I went off to school like kids do, and I, I went not too far away intentionally to Winston-Salem, to Wake Forest, and, and um, went through college, went through law school, and really in, in law school started having a conversation with myself about what do I want to do and where do I want to go? And I wanted to go home, and I didn't want to go home to a, to a traditional small town law practice. And so through a lot of fortuitous circumstances, I'm, I met Tom Lambeth and Valeria Lee and Joe Kilpatrick at the Z Smith Reynolds Foundation and started learning about economic development and nonprofits and decided on a whim almost, and I'm sure to the chagrin of my parents, to, um, to um, take a, a first ever position as the first paid full-time director of the Chamber of Commerce in, in my hometown and home county, Allegheny County, and the first paid economic d development director. I guess I've got an entrepreneurial spirit, and, and uh, I did that for seven years. We had a lot of success uh, and, and, and in increased investment, increased jobs uh, that's made a real difference, and I love the work. And in the course of doing that, I was introduced to the North Carolina Rural Center and to my predecessor, Billy Ray Hall. And I went through the Rural Center's leadership development program in the mid 1990s, uh, learned that I wasn't the only one in the state of North Carolina trying to do the things and make my rural community better and doing the things I was trying to do, that there were a lot of other people like that. So it really allowed me to build a, a network across the state, get to know people, um, I had the opportunity to serve for a while on the Rural Center Board of Directors and, and be among the two youngest members of that 50-member Board of Directors back then. Um, and then in, in 2006, I had the opportunity to join the staff as the Vice President of Programs. And the Rural Center has been a part of my life for um, 30 years, and I've, I've worked there 16 and I'll have to say, I haven't loved every minute of it, but I've never doubted it was the place for me. 
Did you say Tiny Creek? Tiny, as in a pine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, I was talking to someone from the mountains the other day. I love the names that they assigned to various things in the mountains. They're far more creative. And I was talking <laughs> to someone who lived on Upper Pig Pen Road. Okay. And I said, how did that name come up? And he said, I don't know. But he said, there is a lower Pig Pen Road. So I, I, had one, I love the way they named the roads. I had well, one let's talk a little bit about the Small Business Policy Task Force. Uh, I noticed that's on my notes that Jason has given me. Tell me about that. Yeah, so, um, and this really occurred during the pandemic. We convened a statewide uh, task force of, of small business owners and small business um, technical assistance providers. Uh, a lot of, a cross-section of people from that small business um, ecosystem and the reason we did it is because small businesses have a particular importance to rural North Carolina. They're important to our entire state and every part of our state, but in, in rural parts of our state, they're even more important because a higher percentage of our businesses come from those smaller, those smaller businesses. 75% uh, of all business establishments in rural North Carolina have fewer than 10 employees. So it's a major employment sector. Uh, there's a lot of uh, diversity um, across what, what makes up that small business uh, sector. And it's one that doesn't get a lot of focused attention. It's not, as I call it, the sexy part of economic development. It doesn't necessarily make the headlines, but it's those businesses that are already there uh, that have the potential to grow into bigger businesses over time. And it's those new startups that are just getting started that uh, that are really going to make up the majority of new jobs created in rural communities. And we think there's an opportunity to, to do a better job at a state level at focusing attention and resources on small businesses. And that, and we set out to do that with the development of a, a, a small business policy agenda. And in the spring of, uh, or January of, of 2021, that task force unanimously adopted a 22 point policy agenda that we went to the General Assembly and we went to work on. And we had a lot of success. We found members on both sides of the aisle and in both houses of the General Assembly to be pretty receptive to that small business uh, message, particularly when you start sharing the data and, and to really telling the story of what that impact looks like. And the biggest problem is that small business owners don't necessarily know the resources available to them and many of them are free. Um, and so we need to build a stronger small business ecosystem across the state and that should be a priority, an economic development priority for the state, just as our recruitment effort is an economic development priority for the state. And I'm glad to say we found good traction for that argument. Uh, you know, people forget that when a company that has maybe 10 employees adds five, that's a 50% increase. That's right. <laughs> and, that's exactly right. Yeah, you know, all companies were small at one time. But, you know, uh, we look at one of the giants of business today, Amazon, and we remember even when they were uh, about 10 years ago, they just sold books. That's all they sold. That's exactly right. Uh, 
So uh, there is plenty of opportunity. Tell me about the Corner Square Community Capital. Well, one of the parts, one, one of uh, one thing that is increasingly important to small businesses are, are CDFIs, and CDFIs are community development financial institutions. They are nonprofits that are certified by U.S. Treasury, um, and they're not all not all CDFIs do small business lending, but uh, a lot of them do. And we have our own CDFI at the Rural Center called Thread Capital. And we do all of our direct lending to small businesses through that CDFI. There's about nine small business CDFIs across North Carolina. And increasingly, particularly in the aftermath of the Great Recession, so going all the way back to 2009 to 2010, CDFIs are increasingly important and are the first source of capital for many small business startups. And as time has gone on, we see them playing a ever increasing role in that. So Corner Square gave us an opportunity the first time in the 36 year history of the Rural Center that we established a program that would serve not only North Carolina, but the entire Southeastern United States. And it's a partnership between the North Carolina Rural Center and uh, Truist Bank. And, uh, and it is a, a very simple pr a program where we purchase loan pr participations. We will buy a percentage of small business loans from a CDFI uh, located in, in the Southeastern United States, basically the 17 states that make up the truest footprint. And that does a couple of things. It de-risks the lending portfolio and makes those CDFIs more sustainable. And the second thing it does is it immediately returns capital to the pocket of the CDFI so that they can turn around and do more small business lending. So the purpose is really to build a stronger CDFI um, ecosystem in the South, which has one of the weakest in the country. And uh, we think we found a really good program design. We think we found a really good corporate partner and truest. Um, and I'm glad to say we have about 21 or so uh, CDFIs that are signed up and 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 we're purchasing loans from them as they make those loans. Interesting. Before I forget, uh, uh, let me also ask you about uh, inflation. We are obviously in a period of inflation. Everyone knows that. We see it at uh, the grocery store. We see it at the gas pump and so forth. How is that affecting the uh, development of rural counties? Well, it's affecting them just like it affects everybody else. Uh, you know, we have also seen some wage gains. Um, inflation is outpacing that a little bit, not by a lot. But last numbers I looked at, um, inflation was still outpacing income increases. But we went for decades in rural communities with seeing wage growth flat or declining. And the interesting thing about job growth in, in rural North Carolina is we're still working our way back to where we were at the turn of the 21st century. Um, uh, urban North Carolina rebounded really quickly after the, the Great Recession, 
by 2013, they were back to their baseline uh, employment level. Uh, same in suburban, took them a little longer is about 2017 or 2018. Uh, rural is on the uptick, but we're still in, in pure raw job numbers. We're still below where we were in 2000. And that's a problem. Uh, but it's good to see uh, wage growth happening, but we really do need to see the Fed be successful in bringing inflation under control because that's counterproductive. Well, obviously, inflation affects everyone in, in different ways, but uh, anytime you have anything that causes a, a hiccup in the system, it does affect the, uh, the plans that you have and how you're going to address uh, the problems they have. That's, that's very interesting that uh, we are making a little bit of progress. And of course, North Carolina also saw the end of a lot of industry that was in small towns like that's the exactly industry. right. That's right. And and so if you look at if you really break it down by job sector, where, where did that job loss come from? By far, the, the greatest uh, percentage of job loss came in the manufacturing sector. And the manufacturing sector has really rebounded pretty strongly. And it, it has always been for many decades, the highest paying job sector um, of the economy still is, but the nature of that manufacturing has totally changed. It's much more automated. Uh, it requires less human labor and it requires the human labor that, that is there to be more highly skilled and, and more highly trained. So we're not going to replace job for job, the manufacturing job. We lost 350,000 jobs in the first 12 years of, of the 21st uh, century. We've made up a lot of ground, but we still got uh, a ways to go. Patrick Rudy is our guest. We have one final segment on uh, Carolina Newsmakers this week. He's the president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center. And as I said, we'll be back after we take a break and sort of wrap things up and also give you the insight on how you can get more information about the Rural Center. Stay tuned. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. I know you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Patrick Woody is our guest. He's the president of the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center. And uh, actually, uh, Patrick, I'm very impressed with all the good news that you've had. You've had far more good news than you've had bad news, and it, it sounds really good, and that's that's great because uh, uh, we, uh, as we opened the program, we talked about the 20 or so counties that are are so blessed to have such dynamic growth. And then we've got uh, 75 or so counties that uh, uh, some of which are bordering those counties and they're beginning to do well, but we still have some depressed counties. Uh, before I forget, let's uh, take just a moment for you to give the information where people can get in touch with you and find out about all the different programs that the North Carolina Rural Economic Development Center does. So if you will give it to us once, and then uh, a little later on in the program, we'll ask you to repeat it just in case people didn't have a pencil or paper handy when you gave it the first time. So sure. how do they get in touch with you? How do they find the, out about you? The best way to find out about the, the Rural Center and everything that we do in our programming is to go to our website, www.ncruralcenter.org. And that is dot .org. Of course, you can also just search and probably find the same thing. Yeah. Uh, that's good. So let's talk just a little bit about what happened to us in COVID. One of the great lessons, and you, you alluded to a little of this when we began the program. What were the lessons that we learned and how has COVID and the resulting period of, of the economy and how people live and their standard of living and so forth, how has it been affected the last couple of years as we have rebounded from that uh, that uh, terrible year where we were just basically shut down? Yeah, it's it's affected us. It's affected every life in almost every way. Uh, it's had a really profound impact. And as we've really looked at a lot of different areas and, and the impact that it did have, we see that there's both really, there's some really good news there and there's some not so good news there. Um, and among the not so good news, if you look at the death rate from uh, COVID um, going all the way back to 2020 and really the very beginning of the pandemic, the rural death rate is significantly higher than it is in suburban North Carolina or urban North Carolina. And I think really, if you think about it and you look at it, and, and if you know that the rural population skews older uh, toward older citizens and knowing everything that we know about um, the nature of that pandemic, it's not too much of a surprise that the death rate would, would be higher among rural people. And so certainly we did see that. Um, it, so that's one of the, we also lost real ground. You know, I mentioned earlier, educational attainment is critically important. And particularly our school children in, in um, elementary grades, their reading levels uh, really throughout uh, K through 12 suffered. Um, and and no, no surprise, I don't know how it could have done otherwise. But we've got ground to make up in terms of educational attainment and trying to get these kids really a generation uh, back on track and, and try to make up for, for lost time and, and lost ground. 
on a good news, I don't know anything other than the pandemic that would have caused the amount of funding to come in to play um, around the issues we care most about. And I mentioned broadband, you know, we have aging infrastructure, whether it's water and sewer or it's roads and bridges um, or it's uh, uh, local facilities um, that are badly in need of updating and repair. And we, COVID actually has enabled because we have to get that, had to get that economy going again uh, we've seen unprecedented uh, resources directed at the things we care about the very most in rural communities. So this is a this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for rural communities to do a lot of uh, moving forward and catching up. And we see that happening. Our fear is that the places that need it the most will be the places that have the hardest time taking advantage of those resources. And so we, along with a lot of other organizations from the Association of County Commissioners to the League of Municipalities, to the Regional Councils of Governments and many others uh, are really focused on trying to help communities connect the dots and take advantage of the resources. And then the final thing is just the, the, the life choices people make. And, and we see that trend toward people coming, moving, returning uh, to, to more rural, less densely populated areas. And, and that's, that's good news. Well, earlier in the program, you mentioned, of course, the importance of broadband and especially the so-called last mile connection and how important that is. So what are the, say, top three other really top priorities that you have for your organization and for the state to move these counties forward? Well, in addition to broadband, in addition to investment in small business development, which we talked about, uh, the, next on our, the next item on our list would very specifically be Medicaid expansion. And so we were very excited to see uh, a deal uh, a, agreement reached between the leadership of the General Assembly and the governor. And we still need to get to a finished budget, which we're very hopeful that, that that's in, in the cards and in, in the future. But Medicaid expansion will mean 600,000 mostly working people across the state of North Carolina are going to get insurance coverage that don't have it. And disproportionately, those 600,000 are rural citizens. So it's going to make a huge economic, it's, like, it's the equivalent of rural North Carolina landing VinFast. Uh, it's going to make a huge economic impact on those, on those communities. And it's going to make a huge difference in people's lives that uh, have not been able to afford health care to now have access to, 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 to health care. It doesn't mean our job is done, but it does mean we're moving in the right direction. Housing, well, every, every rural community has a housing problem, uh, as does urban and suburban communities. Uh, housing looks a little different in rural, but um, that's in another big priority for us. And then finally, the aging water and, and wastewater infrastructure, uh, it's Many in many places, it's years beyond its lifespan, and it's a it's a major concern. 
Well, that uh, I don't think that anybody has come up with the total amount of money that that's going to be, but that is uh, something. It's a, you pipes wear out, and we're talking about uh, systems that are a hundred miles, a hundred yeah. years old. It's estimated to be around thirty billion dollars between uh, now and twenty thirty is needed to uh, update and modernize our water and wastewater infrastructure. Well, that brings me to mind that the General Assembly is in session right now. Any other legislation that is uh, being considered that would affect uh, the uh, rural center? Yeah, its members? Uh, it, it, yes, many priorities are, are active. Let me just say they made all the right investments, decisions uh, with the budget that they passed and the governor signed in 2021. We applauded that as, uh, as really smart long-term investments and we we don't we're not great at long term i think we'll see some tweaking this year and we'll see some additional things like medicaid expansion come into play that we're advocating and working hard on that are that are going to make a real difference in a lot of rural people's lives we you know as we look around we see change being the thing that's that's really the driving force in our state and and it's also true for our rural communities and we focused our annual conference uh, on uh, the forces that are driving change in rural communities. We had a lot of success with that. About 650 people from 84 counties participated in the rural summit back in March. And in May, in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin a 12-town um, uh, summer tour where we really take those drivers of change to a community level to have conversations and listening sessions around how those drivers show up at a local level in, in 12 different towns around rural North Carolina. And we're excited about that. And you can find out all about that at our website, ncruralcenter.org. Well, I was just getting ready to say, I was going to ask <laughs> you to repeat that. So you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, well, that's interesting. Let's, uh, you mentioned the importance of, of, of broadband several times. What's the timetable that we expect to have broadband virtually everywhere? So it, it'll take several years for the, the funding to flow through and the projects to get constructed. At the end of the day, this is construction. Um, with the first big um, slug of money that's already been announced by the state um, is soon going to be dispersed and construction is going to begin on those projects. There are two more pro programs that will then roll out, one this fall, one early next year, that will be additional gap fillers uh, for, for many places. And um, we're, we're pretty optimistic, cautiously optimistic, concerned, want to certainly be attuned to any problems that we see and try to fix those as we go. The other thing I would say is getting the infrastructure there is only one third of the battle. Um, the, it, we've got to get it there. We've got to get last mile broadband in place, but we've also got to make sure people can afford it. And, and there's a great me mechanism for doing that long-term that'll make a big difference for people. We also, need to make sure that every citizen knows how to use it and why it's important and how it can make their life better. So there's a lot of digital literacy work that needs to be done, particularly with older 
citizens uh, that may not be as comfortable with with the technology. So we're going to have years, even after we solve the infrastructure problem, we're going to have years of work to do in terms of, of the equity uh, and, and, and allowing people to really take advantage of, of broadband and to know how to do that. Well, sometimes that happens a little faster than you think. I mean, some of the older folks like me have adopted a lot of it along the way. Still don't understand how it works, but uh, that's <laughs> aside from the point. And I'm still looking around for trying to find a telephone booth, but uh, those don't exist anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we forget the importance of the mobile phone. That's that's a, a part of uh, the new technology. Yeah. Well, Patrick, we certainly appreciate you taking time to be with us and bring us up to date on the work. And uh, there's so many interesting projects that's going on with the Rural Economic Development Center. The program has been produced by Jason Kong. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com. That's carolinanewsmakers.com and uh, hear a repeat of the broadcast. So next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.